everyone welcome back to another podcast episode of single plus my name is daria white thank you all so much for tuning in i hope you all are having a great week i need you to be in prayer because i'm currently recovering from a cold slash flu and i don't want to start coughing so this episode may not be as long but just in case i cut it a little bit short that is the reason why but i hope you all are staying safe and healthy and i hope you all are enjoying the holiday season as we approach christmas this is definitely my favorite time of the year and it's not just because of the christmas decorations and the lights but it definitely is a time to reflect on the greatest gift that the whole world received and that is the birth of jesus christ but for today's episode I'm currently in my own personal study time and my quiet time. I'm in the book of Matthew. I've been studying the Bible with Proverbs 31 Ministries, as you all know, for a few years now. And we're in Matthew, and I was listening to Matthew 19, and the verses really stood out to me that really haven't stood out to me before. And I want to preface by saying that I... I I am one of those that grew up in church all of her life. And my prayer, my number one prayer recently is like, God, I don't care how many times I read the Bible. I don't even care how many times I hear it preached, taught. I don't care how many sermons I listen to. I never want to get complacent or bored with your word to where I think I already, okay, yeah, I've already heard it all. I've already, you know, read it all. I, I always want to get new and fresh revelation. And that has been my earnest prayer, especially probably for the last year And God has really, really showed up because he's revealing things to me that I never have seen before or never thought of before. And I'm being even more intentional about meditating on the word. I know sometimes we hear the word meditation and that can sound new age and the world has really taken that and twisted it. But meditation, you all started first and foremost with the Bible. So when you hear meditation, don't be scared by it. All it means is that you're pondering, you're thinking over and over and over again. You're taking something to heart. And that's what God wants us to do with his word. He doesn't want us to just read it in passing and then forget about it. That's no different than a man looking in the mirror and then walking away and forgetting his own reflection. God wants us to really, really stew over it, let it simmer, and and let it take root into our hearts to where it bears fruit in our lives. And with this episode, I want to be mindful of those of you that may have gone through this. This is definitely not to start any type of theological debate. These are just some things that I've been thinking about and I wanted to share. And I think it is good for Christian singles who've never been married before But I also think it is good for Christian singles who are single again, but they may have been married. And unfortunately, they went through a divorce because in Matthew 19, I'm going to go to the passage really quick. The, let me see, verses 1 through 12. The first 12 verses are talking about divorce. And this is only because the religious leaders were questioning Jesus And it says in verse three, and Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man should leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And that was the originally intent. So Jesus is not coming back at them saying, seriously, (laughs) what are you guys trying to say? He just took it back to how it was in the garden. When God created 
Adam and Eve. He said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He saw her and he knew that she was meant to be his helpmate for life. And they were joined together for life. That was the original intent for marriage. And for those of you that unfortunately have gone through divorce, that was never God's intent for you. And I don't believe that anybody gets married with the thought of, well, if it doesn't work out, we'll just get divorced. No one goes into marriage thinking that. I believe that the majority of people go into marriage wanting to you know, have this lifelong relationship with this person that they love and care about. And unfortunately, things come up in the marriage that causes them to go their separate ways. There are different factors to it. And so the Pharisees, when they hear this answer, they try to, you know, have a comeback at Jesus saying, well, then why did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? This was Jesus's response. Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So again, divorce was never God's intention. Verse nine, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Now, when we hear that, some people tend to use this scripture to weaponize against people. Now, if you look at culture and even as the study went into it with Proverbs 31 ministries, that's what I've been using to study the Bible, as you all know, for the last few years. They were saying that during this time, because we got to look at context, okay? Whenever you're reading scripture, we can't look at it through modern eyes. We have to look at it through context. And then we ask Holy Spirit, okay, Holy Spirit, what are the truths that I can take to where it is relevant in my life today. So during this time, men were divorcing their wives for every little thing, even to the point to where if she burned the bread, he would divorce her. So God is looking at this and like, okay, these are petty, like this is petty stuff. I meant for y'all to be joined for life. If she can't cook, teach her how to cook. And I'm just paraphrasing. Just kind of giving a little bit of illustration just to kind of make it come alive. You know, it's like, okay, if your wife can't cook, teach her how to cook. Okay, if your husband gets on your nerves, you know, have a conversation with him. It's like they were just separating for silly reasons. And God and Jesus are saying that was never the intention. The intent was for you all to be joined. If you're going to make the vow, make the commitment with your whole heart. If you're going to make the commitment, be serious about it. And commit yourselves to one another, submitting yourselves to one another. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, respect and honor your husbands. It wasn't meant to be a subservient position. A woman was never meant to be looked at as chattel or property. If anything, in the New Testament, when Paul says for husbands to love their wives, it really empowers the women. Because in that time and culture, women were looked at as property. You know, she's only good to bear children, you know, be seen, not heard, be quiet. But God is really empowering the women and telling the husbands, love her, cherish her. She is someone that I've created just for you to be your helpmeet, to be your supporter, to help usher you into your greatness. Wives, support your husbands, see the value in him, you know, call out the greatness in him, be there for him. You two are in purpose together. So as I was reading these verses, it was like, man, like these were really petty reasons that they were divorcing back in the day. Burning bread. <laughs> it's like, OK, that was a simple mistake that can't be remedied. That can't be fixed. And then in verse 10, the disciples said to Jesus, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. So this is kind of how it came to me. And again, I don't know all the nuances. I'm still studying this. I'm still digging into this. You can definitely take this in your own quiet time. But for the disciples to ask that question, 
to me, it's almost like they're wondering like, well, okay, well, um, <laughs> it's almost like they were kind of hoping Jesus didn't say that. It's like, wait a minute, like what you mean we can't find an easy way out? You know what I'm saying? It's like some of us, not all, but some of us look for easy ways out. Some of us don't want to take the hard road. Some of us don't want to sacrificially love. And for a lot of us, not all, but for a lot of us, we see love as this fantasy. You know, we see love as, you know, everything goes well, no ups and downs. It's just, it's just so easy between us. And I do believe that when you're with the right person, there should be an ebb and a flow, but there's still going to be difficult times. We can't go into a relationship thinking that it's not going to be hard. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to convey. It's like, look, if you're, again, if you're going to make the commitment, make sure that your whole heart is in it. Because he told the Pharisees, it's like, your hearts were hard. Your hearts were hard. You went into this thing thinking you're probably going to get your own way. She's going to do whatever it is. You know, she tells you to do that you're this and you're that. When you're supposed to be coming into this with a servant's heart. Marriage is meant to be another level of stewardship. Marriage is meant to be another level of service. I'm coming into this relationship knowing that God has entrusted this heart to me. Whenever the time comes for me in my personal story, you know, I'm not just being with this man just to be with this man. God is entrusting this man's heart to me and I'm not going to stomp all over it. I'm not going to use my emotions to manipulate, to get my way, whatever his calling is. I pray I support him in that and vice versa. It's like, God's like, come into this with a sober mind. Don't come into this with fantasies. Don't come into this thinking that you're going to get your way. Don't come into this with selfish intentions. Come into this marriage, come into this covenant from an unselfish place. Well, how do you do that? Some of you may be like, well, I've never been married and maybe I have been, you know, because again, we, we live in a culture that, you know, promotes that day in and day out. And yes, I admit, I am one of those that love the romantic movies. I love the happy ever afters. I'm a fictional author, so I definitely write them in my stories. But even if you do enjoy that as entertainment, realize that that's just entertainment. It's not reality. And if you have to, you may have to set some boundaries with yourself. If you're, if you're seeing that that is getting into your head too much to where now you're pushing that on reality, you may have to back away from some of the movies. It's not being legalistic, but if that's tainting your thinking, like, okay, God, you know, maybe one movie a month, you know, or maybe one book a month, you know, you, you, you don't want that to give you a warped view of what relationships are because relationships do require self-denial relationships do require you dying to your flesh i really am believing that more now than ever that marriage kicks it up a notch with dying to your flesh we should already be dying to our flesh as christians dying to ourselves daily so that we can become more and more like jesus christ and in marriage that kicks it up i think 10 times, 15, maybe even up to a thousand times, because now you're in covenant with this person day in and day out. And I remember listening to a teaching by Pastor Jerry Flowers. And if you want to check it out, it's on YouTube. I think it's called Help My Marriage Is Dying. So for those of you that know someone that is married, or maybe you're a single and you want to just hear from the perspective of a married couple, there's always wisdom there. Don't, never look at a married couple. I, I don't think some singles, not all, but I don't think we need to look at married couples and think like, well, they can't tell me anything because they're married. There is wisdom there. And if you want to get to where they are, listen, <laughs> okay? So I was listening to this teaching by him and his wife, and he was basically just saying how from the standpoint of 
You know, it's no longer me, myself, and I. It's we, us, and ours. And sometimes people come into marriage and they still have the mentality that it's me, myself, and I. They don't think we, us, and ours. You're no longer just you. You're now part of a unit. And what you do affects your spouse and vice versa. So I believe that Jesus is saying is like, don't make this commitment if you're not going to commit to it. It's like, don't say the vows if you don't mean it. And so in verse 11, he answers the disciples and says, not everyone can receive this saying. He's letting us know up front. Not everybody is called, not everybody is meant to be married. And we know that marriage is not promised to everybody. And that can lead to debates like, okay, well, God says he'll give me the desires of my heart. And if I desire this, truly desire this, and I want to give him glory, he'll bless me with. And some say, well, okay, cool. But what if that doesn't happen? Then what are you going to do? So I know this can go either way. But even Jesus says, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. Now, however God reveals that to you, again, this does require deeper study. And I know for me, I probably have barely just scratched the surface with it. But I wanted to just point some of these things out to really just encourage you, but also to challenge us as well. If we have been living in a fantasy world about marriage and what we think it is, then let us go back to the Bible. The Bible's intent, God's original intent, was for a husband and wife to be together for life. But if you are divorced, if you've been in a marriage that unfortunately did not work out, as I've said before in past episodes, that does not mean that you're damaged goods. It doesn't mean that God can't restore your heart and heal. And that doesn't mean that you can't be in a marriage that is fruitful, that will give God glory. And I wanted to dig into that a little bit further. And sometimes I do go to commentaries, but be careful when you go to commentaries because you definitely want to go to someone that's biblically sound. You definitely don't want to just read anybody's opinion because that's what's going on with the world nowadays. We're just giving our opinions and it's not, and we're not going back to God in terms of clarification. But I wanted to read something. This is from the commentator, Matthew Henry. He's definitely one of my go-tos. And I wanted to read just a portion of what he said in reference to these particular verses. So in, in terms of what Jesus said, whoever divorces his wife except when it comes to fornication or adultery. And, he, and Matthew Henry says, this is a direct answer to the query that it is not lawful. And this and other things, gospel times are times of reformation. The law of Christ tends to reinstate man in his primitive integrity. The law of love, conjugal love is no new commandment, but was from the beginning. If we consider what mischiefs to families and states what confusions and disorders would follow upon arbitrary divorces, we shall see how much this law of Christ is for our own benefit and what a friend Christianity is to our own secular interests. And to read that, maybe like, huh? But how I'm taking that to mean is that once again, God meant for this to be between a husband and his wife, it was meant to be consensual. It was meant to be to where they choose one another. It was meant to be to where they are saying in their vows, I choose you and no one else. I desire you above anyone else. And though there may be ups and downs, my commitment is still to you. And 
regardless of what happens, we're going to grow in this together because there's going to be things that he brings into the marriage that she may not like. She's going to bring things to the marriage he doesn't like. You you both are going to come with something that your spouse is going to help you work through, I believe. You're not coming into marriage perfect. You're not coming into marriage with everything figured out. But if you both come into it possessing the Holy Spirit and he's with you both, and you keep him in the center of your relationship, he's going to help you work through those flaws. But it comes down to you both being committed. And I think sometimes that's what happens in most of these cases. One of the persons in this marriage is not committed. And though I've been blessed to be in a family where my parents have been married for getting close to 40 years, divorce technically runs in my family on both sides. My dad um, is one of six siblings and the majority of them have been divorced. I have a a couple of um, cousins in particular that I know that have been divorced. And on my mom's side, my mom has a couple of brothers. I know one of my uncles in particular has been divorced. And so I see it on both sides. There were even some friends that we grew up with, my sisters and I in church, and a lot of the young girls that we grew up with in youth church got married right out of high school or early 20s. A lot of them are divorced. So I've seen divorce growing up in my family, in the church, and it's hard to see as someone that wants to get married, but God has to remind me that my story is different. And if I come into it with the right intentions and I don't rush the situation, I'm not forcing the relationship and I wait on him to, you know, bless the relationship with the man that does have good intentions for me, a man that is after his own heart. And I know this conversation can go a lot of ways. Again, I I understand that a lot of people have been hurt from divorce, men and women. It's not just women that have been scarred. There's some men that have been scarred too. They thought that their wife was the one. They thought that their wife was going to be, you know, it. She's going to be here to support you. And unfortunately, she left you scarred. Unfortunately, she was a Delilah. She only sought you for one thing and then she left you high and dry. So I encourage you that with passages like this, that we seek God first in what his intent was. You can definitely see godly wisdom but I encourage you to seek God in this area for clarity. I encourage you to seek God like, God, I want to come into this with the right heart. I want to come into this with pure intentions. I don't want my heart to be hard like the Pharisees. I, I want to come into this, Lord, because I want my marriage to give you glory. And if you're single and you're listening to this and you've never been married, then again, Jesus said, you know, not everybody can receive this message. Not everybody will come into marriage thinking, you know, hey, this is all about service. Some people come into into it thinking, you know, this is all about me. And I remember listening to a pastor that he says that when he counsels couples, he says it's very rare. It's, and, and it's interesting because he's like, these are Christians. But he said, it's very rare that I counsel a couple. And when I ask them, what are they looking for in a marriage or what are they looking for with this person that they're engaged to? He said, nine times out of 10, they're talking about, what this person's going to do for them. He said, it's rare that I hear people say, you know, when I ask them, why do you want to be married? Or why do you want to marry this person? It's very rare that they 
talk from a place of, well, I want to serve him or I want to serve her. It's very self-centered. But that's nothing for us to, honestly, you all, that's just in our nature. That's, that's, that's in our human nature. But we can definitely go to God and ask God, God, if I have been selfish, if I have only been thinking about me when it comes to marriage and someone to fulfill my needs, someone to fulfill my loneliness, someone to make me feel secure, someone to make me feel this and feel that, God, help me to shift that to where I'm more focused on God. How can I love them as you love them? God, how can I serve them as you would want me to? God, how can I show your love to them? How can I be a conduit to where they experience your love through me? How can I show them grace when they feel down? How can I show them compassion? How can I show them, um, how can I embrace them, Father, when their insecurities surface? How can I cover them in prayer? It's like, once we begin to think like that, I think we would have a different perspective and we would come into marriage with a healthier mentality that, God, I'm here to serve your son or daughter. Yes, it's beautiful with the, you know, romance and there's nothing wrong with having a beautiful wedding. There's nothing wrong with having the, the details of a wedding with, you know, a beautiful dress, you know, the flowers, the cake, you know, if, if, if that's your dream and it's in the budget, go for it. But come into this marriage realizing that I, I'm here to serve. God has entrusted your heart with me. And as he enables me, I'm not going to do anything to abuse it. I want to love you so well that it feels like you've never been hurt. I want to love you so well that even if you are carrying baggage from an ex, that God's love would flow through me so powerfully that it will erase every memory that you've ever had of being hurt. I pray that God uses me so that if your past comes back to haunt you of your mistakes, the things that you've done, I pray that you'll see God's love through me in such a way that when the enemy attacks you with that, you'll be able to cast down that thought and say, no, that's not me anymore. When you want to go back to addictions, when you want to go back to old patterns, I pray that God's love is so strong between us. And because of your fear of God, that you won't even give in to those anymore. So this is a serious thing, you all. I think that's why it says that in the opening vows of the wedding ceremony, in, in, in the opening lines, rather, of the marriage ceremony, that marriage is not to be taken lightly, but soberly and in the fear of God, because we're taking on a responsibility for another human heart. And I'm sure all of us can attest to the pain that comes when a, when a heart is abused. I've been through it. I'm sure you've been through it. So I think... To sum it all up, what Jesus is saying, don't take on the task if you're not ready for it. Don't take on the task if you're not committed to it. And trust, if you don't know how to love at that level, you can always ask God. Because it takes agape love to love someone the way that marriage requires. Not just romantic love. It takes that sacrificial love to love in such a way that it covers you and your spouse, it covers your children, it covers your household to where the whole neighborhood sees and it's a testimony because it's meant to be a picture of Jesus Christ and in the church. So I pray that I was able to convey that to the best of my ability. I pray that um, something was said that encouraged you, maybe even challenged you. So 
Lord, thank you for those that are listening right now. And Father, I pray first and foremost for those that have gone through divorce. I pray for the man, Lord, who's been scarred by an ex-wife, a man whose heart has been broken by an ex-wife. And Father, I just pray first and foremost that you would just heal any deep wounds that may still be there. Maybe he's not aware of them. Maybe he hasn't admitted to them. But Father, I pray that you would just come in as only you can do, Holy Spirit, and just restore right now in Jesus' name. I pray that there's no bitterness, that there's no resentment, that he would forgive, forgive himself for whatever mistakes he may have made. But Father, I pray that he will realize that he is not damaged goods, that he still has a good heart, and that he can love a wife as Christ loved the church. And unfortunately, Father, it didn't work out. But I thank you, God, that you are healing him right now. I pray for the woman, Lord, who thought her husband was going to stay with her. I pray for the woman, Lord, whose husband unfortunately cheated on her. I pray for the woman, Father, whose husband has dealt with addictions, whether it was to pornography or if he was just sleeping around or maybe it was emotional affairs, however it was, God. And unfortunately, they called it quits. Father, I pray for the woman, Lord, who is scarred. I pray for the woman, Father, who feels the resentment just growing on the inside of her. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would just bring comfort to her right now. She is still your daughter. She is still a prize jewel. Her value is far more than rubies, Lord. She is your daughter. And I thank you, God, that she is still a woman of value. And I thank you, God, that you are restoring her confidence, that she does not have to feel insecure about who she is. Father, even if he said things to her, Father, that were toxic, I pray, Father, that you would just wash away those lies in Jesus' name, that she would realize her value in you, and that she would believe what your word says, not what her ex-husband said. And Father, I believe that even though divorce is common, Father, I thank you, God, that you are restoring relationships right now and that you are bringing kingdom partnerships and kingdom marriages, Father, together so that children are raised, Father, in two-parent homes, Lord, with a father and a mother, and they're raising their children, Father, in the word. They're raising their children, Father, to where they're being examples in the earth so that there are righteous, that there is a righteous generation, Father, being raised up right now to be a light in the midst of this dark world. Father, I thank you for healing both the men and the women that have gone through divorce. And Father, that may lead to Christian counseling. Father, I pray that they would just dig into those pains and those traumas, God, and just allow you to heal. Healing is messy, God, but it is worth it. Healing, Father, is painful, but it's worth it. Healing, Father, may require going back into the past and and, and remembering things that they'd rather not. But Father, it is necessary for our growth. It is necessary, Father, for restoration. And I pray that they would not be afraid to heal. And Father, I pray for singles like myself who have never been married. They don't know the trauma of divorce. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we would just remember that we can't enter into marriage lightly. This is not something, Father, do haphazardly. We don't just say vows just to say vows. Father, I pray that we would just have a healthy mindset of what marriage is. Yes, entertainment is fine with the movies and happily ever afters. It's fine, Father, for that. But Father, I pray that we would just stay in reality when it comes to this and take it seriously father yes we can have fun yes there can be adventure but father if you're going to entrust us with the heart of your son or daughter i pray that we would not abuse it i pray father that we would look within and if there are areas in our life that we need to heal if there are areas father father that we need to grow in lord that we would take that time now while we're not in a married state that we would do the work now so that whenever you bring that into fruition we will be ready i pray lord that We would not take this single season for granted, that we won't waste it, that we would steward it well, that we would continue, Father, just 
spend this time with you. Reveal your word to us, God. We may not understand everything about it. And Father, sometimes scriptures like these can lead to theological debates. Unfortunately, people have been hurt because those there have been those, Lord, that have weaponized the scripture to bring condemnation and shame for those that have been through divorce. But Father, your word says that there is now, therefore, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And I thank you, God, that you are breaking the chains of condemnation right now. I thank you, God, that you are breaking the chains of shame and guilt right now. Father, this is not a sin that's not forgivable. Your word says, Father, we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that doesn't mean that we abuse grace. Father, it just means that when we do mess up, we can come to you, ask for forgiveness and keep moving forward. So we bind that spirit of condemnation. We bind that spirit of guilt, Lord. And I thank you that there is freedom in Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, for the men and women who do seek marriage with genuine hearts. Thank you, God, for the men and women who do seek marriage, Father, with with pure motives. They're not they don't want it, Father, just to satisfy loneliness. They don't want it, Father, just to satisfy just to be with somebody because it's that time of year and it's cuffing season. We want to be with somebody because we're tired of being alone for Christmas and we're tired of being alone for New Year's. Father, I pray that our reasons would go so much deeper. May we desire relationships, Father, because we want to give you glory. May we desire marriage, Father, because we want to be an image of Jesus Christ and the church. Father, the truth is we need more marriages, Father. We need more kingdom partnerships because, Father, marriage has been it's been treated so casually, Lord, that people don't, that some people don't take it seriously. So, Father, you do need men and women coming together who will be an example in the earth of what a kingdom marriage is supposed to be like. And, Father, for those of us that are willing to take up that call, for those of us, Father, that are willing to take that stand, Father, I pray that when you join together, let no man put asunder. And whatever the enemy uses to attack our marriages, Father, I bind them right now. Because your word says, whether we bind on earth, we'll be bound in heaven. And whether we loose on earth, we'll be loosed in heaven. So, Father, I Thank you that you are bringing those marriages together right now, that you are bringing them even right now in a state of, of, of singleness, Lord. Our eyes may not be open to it, but Father, I pray that we will realize that you are working things out for our good, that you're taking care of every little detail of our lives, and you're going to work it out because we are your children. In the name of Jesus, you're faithful to your promises. And no, marriage is not promised to all of us. But Father, I pray for those of us that do desire it, that we just surrender it to you. A lot of men and women right now are discouraged. They feel like all hope is lost. But there is still hope as long as you are still on the throne. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, I pray that that blessed you, encouraged you, maybe even challenged you. You can definitely follow the podcast if you're not following us already. You can also follow on Instagram at MySinglePlus and the blog MySinglePlus.com. And if you're looking for godly community, you know that we are ambassadors for the Christian Singles Hub. You can definitely check us out on Facebook. We have, we just crossed about 5,000 members. And you can also become an insider where you can get even more exclusive access to our online events and even deals on our in-person events. So stay safe, you all. Thank you again. God bless. Talk to you all next time. Bye.